this is Dr. Michael Hogan. You've tuned into my podcast, Stroke Self-Help. This is episode number eight. There are at least two definitions of vitalism. I define it as a deep trust in nature's and your body's innate wisdom to create and maintain life. If this were a new concept for me, I might question why it is so important. Consider momentarily the miracle of human development and birth. Within the mother, the ova makes a connection with the semen. From there, a great development takes place. In a predictable timeline and fashion, all of the organ systems develop within the fetus lungs that bring oxygen into the body and remove carbon and cellular waste, a heart with four chambers that pumps continuously throughout all of life and that sends a nearly constant supply of oxygen and vital nutrients to the various cells and tissues of the body and returns waste products to the lungs, urinary system, and lymphatic system. The brain is by far the most complex human development, starting with the notochord in week three of embryonic life the neural tube develops. During the next five weeks, the core structures for the unparalleled adult brain will have developed. The creation of life is truly a miracle. Its development is predictable, precise, very complex, and highly sustainable. Now consider the grandeur of maintaining human life. The heart is an amazing muscle that pumps all day, every day, for all of life. It changes speed and intensity based upon current needs and conditions. Complex channels exist that allow precise activation of neural and muscular tissues while also removing and balancing chemical pressure and pH gradients. This is necessary for maintenance of life. A muscle is able to willfully create inverted pressure within the chest cavity which causes air from the external environment to move into the lungs. A multitude of tight balances are maintained automatically to ensure your muscles have enough power and that your body can function correctly. All of your skeletal muscles work in concert to allow your 206 bones to defy gravity and to move you at will and with little notice. These life-sustaining forces occur automatically and without requiring any forethought. The wisdom, complexity, and grandeur of life is indisputable. There is a common saying, the wisdom that made the body is the wisdom that heals the body. Think about that. A force that is able to develop an ova and sperm into a fully functional human baby a force that is able to make life fully sustainable, fully reproducible. Wouldn't a force like that be intelligent enough to also heal and repair itself? In general, we know this is true for cuts, bruises, and broken bones. My vitalistic assertion is that your body can do so much more than that. It is perfectly capable of providing for you optimum health, vibrance, and vitality. Not only that, 
but in every case possible, the wisdom of your body will attempt to give you the best of what is available. So when we find ourselves in a position of dis-ease, the question therefore becomes, what prevented my body from achieving its goal to keep me healthy, happy, and vibrant? If we can find the answers to these questions, then we can support the best of life that your body will give you as long as you don't get in the way of your own mechanism for health. I have deep and abiding confidence in my body's ability to repair and restore, to rebuild and recover. This confidence guides many of the decisions that I make. This confidence tells me that everyone else has similar intelligence within and it guides many of the recommendations that I make. When introduced to this philosophy, a lot of people ask, what about genetic conditions and autonomic disorders? If the human body were so highly intelligent, wouldn't it be able to create a healthy baby every time? Wouldn't it be able to prevent itself from attacking itself? These are fair questions, but the fact that there are sometimes genetic mutations, birth defects, and autonomic disorders does not undermine the truth that creation of life requires a degree of intelligence that extends beyond human reach. There are known causes for many of these disorders. For example, thalidomide was a birth control drug prescribed years ago which resulted in thousands of birth defects because one of the chemical constituents had the wrong chirality or handedness. As another example, an abundance of folic acid is required during early stages of brain development, alluded to earlier. This takes place before the mother is aware she is pregnant. A deficiency of folic acid or its synthetic counterpart, folate, will result in a variably serious condition called spina bifida. In our day, we are exposed to an abundance of chemicals, stresses, environmental toxins, drugs, radiation, and other hazards that might explain the incidence of other conditions. Just like a plant needs water, nutrients, and sunlight, our bodies also require certain components. To appreciate the importance of vitalism, it's also necessary to, un un to understand some other prominent philosophies about health. One of these philosophies is commonly termed allopathic medicine, which gets its name from the Greek allos, meaning opposite, and pathy, meaning illness. The word part allos, or opposite, is based on a doctor's response to a body action, for example, if a person has a fever, an allopath would do whatever is possible to reduce the fever. Diarrhea, an allopath would find a way to prevent the bowels from moving. Low insulin, find a way to increase insulin. High blood pressure, find a way to lower it. With each of these treatment options I just mentioned, 
It seems reasonable at the surface. Each also involved doing the opposite of what the body had created. Consider the common fever. Viruses and bacteria cannot survive when body temperature exceeds 101 degrees Fahrenheit. A fever is your body's natural response to these invaders, but the common approach is to reduce the fever and then administer medications designed to kill the invaders. However, this does not come without a cost. Medications have side effects, plus they kill part of your natural biome that is necessary for good health. Plus, drugs are not good at contending with viral infections. In actuality, a fever may be just what your body needs to get healthy again. You say, but I'm concerned about dehydration and brain damage. It is a well-known fact that a fever above 107.8 can cause brain damage. However, research has shown that someone who is properly hydrated will not experience brain damage even with a very high fever. Medical professionals also acknowledge that fevers resulting from a regular illness is very likely to ever go above that temperature and cause brain damage. The main concern is actually fevers not caused by illnesses such as heat stroke. Again, Check the references. Other examples. Diarrhea. It could be that you have something very toxic inside you which your body needs to discard. And, is, and holding those toxins inside could have other negative consequences. Low insulin. Actually, the problem is rarely that your body cannot make enough insulin which is known as type 1 diabetes, it's much more common that your lifestyle has required your body to produce more insulin than what is healthy. In the end, this leads to a disastrous long-term problem, and these uh, problems that it causes are preventable by lifestyle change. You may want to check out Dr. Firma on that one. Plus, Inserting insulin directly into the body will cause a negative feedback reaction. This is how it works. Chemical messengers in your blood will inform the hypothalamus that an adequate supply of insulin is already pleasant, present in the blood. The hypothalamus instructs the pancreas not to make more insulin. As this cycle continues over time, the pancreas eventually becomes unable to create any volume of insulin because the pancreas has not been used in a long enough time. You have made yourself entirely dependent on insulin administered externally. Blood pressure. It is well known that high blood pressure is dangerous, but are blood thinners really the best response to this problem? It's well known also that most people can lower blood pressure by consuming more raw vegetables, eating appropriate fats, including very little saturated fat, and with appropriate portion sizes and exercise. For short-term needs, there are herbs such as willow bark, which can reduce blood pressure, or essential oils such as wintergrain. The long-term goal should be to modify your lifestyle so that you can lower your blood pressure naturally. 
In each of these cases, I have provided some rational support to support the idea that it is best to allow the body to use its innate wisdom. The allopathic approach has been to assume that the body's natural mechanisms are deficient and to instead overtake the body's ability to respond to its environment, but instead to manually perform the necessary steps for the body. This type of approach is necessary in certain extreme circumstances, and were it not for the availability of advancements spurned by this model, many people, including myself, would not be alive right now. Issues arrive when we overtake the body's natural maintenance of itself at times when this really wasn't necessary. My contention is that your body's innate wisdom excels anything created by us in its ability to maintain balance, repair, restore, and integrate with all other systems. Anything we make will compromise some of that innate wisdom. Of course, this is to be considered within reason. Obviously, if you lose your arm for some reason, I think you'd be very glad to have a prosthetic in place. Well, that's it for now. Thank you for joining, and I'll talk to you soon.